0: Hello, and welcome back to the Curious One podcast. My name is Emma Krebs. I created this podcast to be able to have conversations that were lacking through my daily interactions, as I always felt the longing to dive deeper. This space is for meaningful conversations that I hope help to broaden my perspectives and maybe even yours as well. Hello, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Curious One podcast. Today's guest is actually someone I knew in real life before having her on my podcast. I've known Kenzie Bullrath for over six years now, and I finally brought her onto the show to chat about her business, Ball One Vintage. Ball One is an online store where you can find vintage and pre-loved clothing, accessories, and homeware. Ball One is passionate about sustainability and the slow fashion movement. During our conversation, Kenzie shed light onto the horrors of fast fashion. She shared the inspiration behind Ball One, some of the biggest challenges she has faced in her business, the community that she has found herself embedded in here on social media, and honestly so much more. This was a super fun and informative episode and it is always a treat when I can bring my friends onto the show. All right. Rise with me, my friends, and let's jump into the episode. May you be inspired, may you be curious, and may you learn more about yourself as we learn about others. Enjoy. Well, I'm honestly so excited for this episode. I have my beautiful red beautiful friend. I already messed up Ken's. So there we go. <laughs> Kenzie Bullrath Um from Wow, I'm just gonna restart. Ken's, anyways. It's Fuck, I fucked topic. it up. This is a great start. This is a great start. Anyways, so cut two. I'm so excited for this episode. I have my good friend Kenzie Bolrath on the Curious One podcast today. So welcome, Kenzie.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Emma. I'm so <laughs> excited to be here doing this with you.
0: Oh, who who would have thunk in grade 11 bio when we didn't talk to each other and <laughs> <laughs> that we would have been here six That's years later.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, Kenzie, you run Vol1 Vintage. I do. So for the listeners that may not know who you are and may not know what that is, are you able to explain a bit about what is Vol1 Vintage?
1: Yes. Vol1 Vintage is an online or e-commerce secondhand and vintage store where I curate collections that I go thrift and have had friends donate me stuff Um, I basically just try and find like cool wearable pieces for you guys um for you to shop online
0: yeah and it's so freaking cool like she's also (laughs) if people aren't watching right now she's in her like hq and she has all of her clothes behind her and it's just (laughs) so aesthetic i love it um so this brand like when did it start officially
1: um It kind of been like in the works, the back end of it, Mm -hmm. since I would say like end of May. Um, I ended up moving back to Calgary in March, thanks to COVID. (laughs) I was living in Vancouver um, and I was working there after graduating from school for fashion marketing. And yeah, so I kind of, you know, needed something to fill my time. Um, I wanted to have a purpose behind it to get people engaged and kind of start that conversation online um, towards the slow fashion movement and really promoting that. So I kind of been, you know, like searching for inspiration on Instagram. I had already followed some like really good thrifters and cool accounts in Calgary. And I was like, you know what? I think this is it. Like, I think this is what I want to do. And I just kind of started like building the back end of it, which was me when thrift stores finally opened in Alberta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which was, I want to say like June maybe, or like the end of May. Um, Then I started, like, curating my first collection, Um, and I didn't really have, like, any direction at that time. I just kind of, like, I was finding pieces that I loved, that I knew were, like, good quality, that you could wear for a long time, and really versatile, and that kind of built, like, the brand values behind that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of how I thought of starting Ball One and having, like, the push to like mm-hmm. show people the versatility in pieces and like how cool it is to thrift and that it's not like frumpy grandma clothes, <laughs> but you can actually look like really chic and trendy by thrifting. And yeah, awesome. And
0: That's so, Sorry. <laughs> no, you totally did. Oh okay. my god. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there
0: is no rules here. Also, uh, the more information, the better. Um, yeah. And so, we were speaking about it before. I mm-hmm. think it's super creative. The 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 inspiration behind the name so are you able to expand a bit around (laughs) Yeah. yeah
1: yeah so emma had asked me if it was volume one or vol one and i kind of said well i guess it's both but really it is vol one because my last name is volra um and back in school i had done one of my projects in my business class and i called it vol two and it was based around um starting a store for menswear And so when I thought of my business idea now for the secondhand vintage store, I was like, well, I can't call it Vol2. And I had originally picked Vol2 because I'm the second child. I have an older brother. (laughs) So I was like, well, I guess he gets it. It's (laughs) Vol1. and that's how it happened yeah he oh, just needs to like somehow be a part of the business yeah, <laughs> yeah <that's laughs> well I happened. actually like thrifted something for him the other day well I bought it for myself originally and I was wearing it and I was like you know what my brother would love this so I I went over to his house and I took it to him and I was like I got you this shirt and he's like so obsessed like he loves it <laughs> It's the best. You need to post it on the Instagram then and like yeah. did you wrap
0: it in all your packaging and everything?
1: No, I didn't. Oh, that's <laughs> the
0: worst part. Like I just literally <laughs> handed it to him. It was like here, it's from Bowl One. <laughs> it's in like a Safeway bag. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there might be some like produce in there too. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you've always been involved in like the fashion industry and had a super big passion for it, right? Like that's like for people that don't know, I made a reference to us knowing each other in high school. Which, we attended the same high school, but we never, ever, ever crossed paths. I also was like, I had no friends in high school. I had my two friends that I'd run around with. I'm like, that was it. Um, (laughs) Ken's was too cool for me. But then, (laughs) we both both started working, um, once we graduated high school, at the same, like, clothing store, I guess you would call it. Mm -hmm. And um, we, like, really, obviously, hit it off. And our friendships just blossomed from there. So, You've been in it, it seems like from day one. So what did your journey into the fashion industry look like?
1: Yeah, well, for anyone who doesn't know, my mom was a fashion studies teacher. I didn't know this. Much, yeah, the majority of my life. <laughs> um, she was teaching grade seven to nine here in Calgary. Um, fashion studies. Well, it's I guess it's called foods and fashion. So there's the foods like old school term is like home ec, right? Yeah. So um you have like half the semester was cooking and then the other half you learn to sew and so like she had been my inspiration like from day one I always wanted like I didn't want to teach but I always wanted to do something fashion wise like all growing up I would make like I'd cut out of her fabric and make outfits for my Barbies (laughs) like like hand sew them when I was like 12 (laughs) where I would make like paper cutouts and like have like little like croquis which is like a I don't know how to explain it. It's like a, like, just like a drawing of a person, basically. And okay. you're like, you draw the clothes on top of it. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how to explain <laughs> that. I'm with um, you. Yeah, so then, yeah, she was my main inspiration growing up. Um, and I was just always, like, surrounded by, like, fabrics and clothing and magazines, stuff that she was using to teach. And it kind of just, like, really, like, stuck with me <laughs> that I wanted to, like, be in that industry. Um, and then I... Yeah, I have worked retail for God knows how long. <laughs> it's all a blur now. <laughs> Probably close to six years, I want to say, on and off. Um, and then I ended up going to school in Vancouver for fashion marketing and finishing my degree there, was out of that and was again working retail. But yeah, and that's kind of how I've landed here. Okay, <laughs> hey, this
0: this might be a dumb question, but like can you expand further on like what specifically is fashion marketing?
1: wow okay um sorry that's not what I (laughs) tossed in but like I'm like what is it I don't know um in like technical terms it's having the right product at the right place selling to the right person for the right promotion okay 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 (laughs) right and that's what they like like the underlying like quote I guess Mm. Um, The program itself, we learned everything from costuming for TV and film, textiles, product development, business management, um, entrepreneurship. We had a buying class, wholesale, um, fashion merchandising, visual merchandising. It kind of covered everything, which was amazing. Um, I did wish that some of it was, like, a deeper dive into certain um, topics, Mm -hmm. but that's why, like, they kind of give you such a wide range, It's because then, like, if there's something that you really liked, like, say you were really interested in buying or in wholesaling, then you can, like, pursue that further as your career, Mm
0: -hmm. but it kind of,
1: like, gave you, like, a little scope into each, like, industry within the industry, because there's so much, like, even had, like, fashion show production and styling, like, it was crazy, and there was, like jobs I didn't even think existed (laughs) yeah yeah that
0: is crazy and it would have been like yeah it makes sense it would have been so like broad because there's just as you said like so many different avenues you could go down like look what look what avenue you're going down
1: like this wasn't even a thing years ago you know so it's awesome and it's crazy to see too like how much of that education that I use today, like we had, I had two courses: um, digital marketing and social media marketing, and those have been like a huge player for me <laughs> with all one vintage because that's basically what it is, right? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, awesome. And like for people that don't
0: know, your photos are insane. Like, oh, you, like you take them all yourself, don't you?
1: I do. Um, my brother was so gracious to loan me his camera, <laughs> and his wife's ring light which is sitting behind me right now <laughs> and I've, I've held on to them since the summer <laughs> yeah I think it would turn into a permanent loan <laughs> yeah
0: you'll like just start paying them fees or something yeah. and, like yeah. a percentage <laughs> of your income and stuff like
1: that yeah. they're they're awesome Ken's. like honestly they look like oh, yeah normal. everything is self-timer I set it I run in front I pose <laughs> <laughs> I take it probably That's about fun. like I don't know like 10 takes on an item to get like Two to three good photos to use, and yeah, <laughs> at least ten. I could imagine. There's probably an easier way. Like I could get a clicker, but that just seems like it's like too easy, you know. <laughs> And then I, w- I was so
0: crazy to say that. I was watching this thing the other day and they were like, oh yeah. in every photo now a day is on Instagram. You're going to see like the girl's hand is like missing or something. Yeah. like trying to hide it. So she then I was, like, yeah. I was like, oh wow. I never even thought of that. But I guess you can get some wireless ones. I have one, but I don't, I don't even know how to work it. So mm-hmm. I just stick with, I'm the same. Like yeah. press it, run. It's yeah. like, yeah, you get pretty creative. I always like think I like, um, I live in an apartment and there's like this house of, I call it the boy band across the street. And I'm mm-hmm. always like, I hope the boy band's not watching me right now. Like <laughs> I call them the boy band for many reasons, but nothing but love for them. But anyways, I just, I'm always like, I hope no one's watching what I'm doing right now. Cause they're probably like, what the hell goes on in that apartment? Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> it's what it is. It is. <laughs> um, okay. So you worked in retail and you worked in like a few different places. So what did your, like what made you aware of slow fashion and what did your transition
1: into more slow fashion, what did that look like? Yeah, I'm gonna be completely honest that I really had no idea how bad the backside of the fashion industry is until I was in my education and they talked about it a lot and it kind of really like, as you would say, made me curious. (laughs) And I wanted to look into that more because I was like, what do you mean there's people who are getting paid $3 a day? What do you mean there's people who don't have labor laws and who are working 16 hours a day with their child laying on the floor next to them? I was like, what? And one of my teachers in my fashion merchandising course said, she was like, go watch this documentary on Netflix. And it's called The True Cost. And basically, what it highlights is garment workers in Bangladesh, India, and Cambodia, specifically. And the collapse of Rana Plaza, which was in Bangladesh in 2013. And watching this documentary, I was in tears at the end of it. And it just, like, hit me. And I was like, I can't believe I had no idea this was going on. And I was like, if I didn't know, there's so many other people who probably didn't know or still don't. And it kind of made me just explore that topic more and just really be conscious of where I was purchasing from and the brands I was giving my money to and essentially where that money was going or wasn't going. And no one's perfect. I still shop at my favorite retailers now and then, but I try my hardest to look for those pieces like sustainably first, whether it's from a sustainable fashion brand or it's secondhand. Facebook Marketplace, great place to find (laughs) your favorite retailers for less. (laughs) Um but I really tried to make that change because from like a humanity standpoint, I was just so shocked that people were being treated so poorly and yet we buy like it's nothing. Like we, we just consume and we don't think about it. And we go shopping and every weekend or every time we would go to the bar and we need a new outfit and we would buy a new shirt. And I just like, I wanted to stop living like that because like I watched this documentary and just so much hit me. And I was like, I, I can't, I can't live like this. Like I can't buy to the degree I was knowing that all of these people are suffering. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I started to get into the sustainable fashion and the slow fashion movement and just really promoting that. And I guess like educating my friends and my family around it because I realized so many people didn't know. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it came down to was the lack of education.
0: Totally. I completely agree. Like I will be like right there beside you. We worked at the same store. You knew like every weekend I was buying something. Every time I go out to the bar, I was thinking about this the other day, like how often I went to the bar and stuff anyways, but I was a whole completely different person, but yeah. And it was like, you wouldn't even think about it. And I remember even, um, I'm sure like you were way more in a better place to speak to this, but like even just, okay, we worked in a retail store and you would do like the, like, the more like back end stuff like you did, Mm -hmm. did like the unboxing, even just all the packaging, every single item comes wrapped in plastic and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I completely agree with you. It's like, we never even think about it because our society is just like consume, 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 consume. And I'm the same as you. I've had like a bit of a, like a shift in my life and mine more came from just like paring down the items that I physically own. Yes. And so it's like, if I'm going to buy a black shirt, I'm wearing a shirt. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to buy a good quality one because I only want to have one, mm-hmm. you know, or etc. Yeah. etc. Cetera, et cetera. And so then, then it expanded further, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I can buy from more sustainable. Not only can it be better quality, it can also be sustainable. Or like, or mm-hmm. if I want to save money in regards to that, like so much secondhand stuff is out there, and it's like brand new. You know what I mean? Or there's people like you where I don't have to go thrifting and digging through stuff. I can just be like, oh, love Kenzie yeah. style just go on your page and see what's there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Are you able to expand, like, a bit more on some of, like, the realities or, like, information just around, like, fast fashion and why we should not be supporting it? Yes. Bear with me. I have notes. Of course.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I want the notes. I love it. Um, So, yeah, there's been, like, a few sources and articles that I've been getting most of my information off of, so I'll just first say what those are. Um, One, the documentary on Netflix called The True Cost. If you haven't seen it already, I strongly encourage you to go watch it because it will really change your mindset on your consumption overall. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, fashionrevolution.org is a really great resource. Um, as well, the Sustainable Fashion Forum, both websites there. Um, as well, there's so many Instagram accounts that I could talk about <laughs> <that> and share <laughs> great content. on, Including like, your own. And yeah, that's one thing I've really tried to do is just like educate people, I guess, and whether ah. it's directing them to another platform with more information or even just like my caption on my page and just like hitting them with a statistic of mm-hmm. you know the percentage of water or that the fashion industry is the world's second largest polluter in the world, right behind the oil industry, which is wild. Wow. wow. Um okay, back to the fact points. <laughs> Um, let me just find this quickly. Okay, sorry. i oh, <laughs> okay, no no. Um, I just don't know how to start this.
0: <laughs> oh, go for it. Um, oh
1: my gosh. I'll throw what? you in. I'll toss you in. I'll
0: be like, okay, do you have any more like stats or like numbers or just like facts that we can be mindful of in regards to fast fashion?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, There was this quote from this article that Vogue posted in 2015 in regards to the documentary The True Cost and the collapse of the Rana Plaza. Um, And basically, the person had said, we're sold to this myth to buy that dress for under $10 is democratic, but it's democratic for who? We discard faster and faster, and that is how the consumer becomes poorer and poorer. Two of the 10 richest men in the world are owners of Zara and H&M. And I think that says a lot about how they make their money. And that is like in and of itself enough to make you kind of go like, holy shit.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, and that's the one thing about the fast fashion industry is that their prices are so low because the people making the garments are getting paid next to nothing. mm mm-hmm only 2% of garment workers globally are paid a living wage. And these women are working 14 to 16 hour days. They're making on average $3 a day, just $3. (laughs) And they don't have, there's no labor boards to protect them. There's no health benefits. There's no maternity leave. And I just like hope that, if everyone buying from these large fast fashion retailers knew that there was like a 50% chance that a child under 12 made the shirt you just bought, or that the women worked 14 hours without a single bathroom break because they have a quota to meet, and if they don't, they risk workplace abuse or loss of employment. I hope that if someone knew that, that they would do everything in their power to not support these brands, because we really need to be aware of where our money's going, who it's supporting, and who it's harming, essentially. Um, A couple more points from the True Cost documentary. Um, The world now consumes a staggering 80 billion pieces of clothing each year, which is up by 400% from two decades ago. Now, this documentary came out in 2015, I believe. So, what, we're six years down the road. So you can only imagine where it's sitting now. Um, one in six people work in the global fashion industry, and the majority of these workers are women who earn less than $3 a day. This was one that kind of hit me in the documentary. Um, I was very shocked, and I can't speak too far into it because I don't have all of the information behind it. Um, but they did mention that 250,000 Indian cotton farmers take their lives have taken their lives in the last 15 years. And this is largely a result of them going into debt. And that's like one aspect that we probably don't ever think about is, yeah, there's farmers who are like, harvesting these fibers that are then made into fabrics and then made into patterns and cut and dyed. And there's just so much behind, like Behind you walking into the store and buying that shirt, Mm. there's so much that goes on, and there's so many hands that are in it. It's like, why should your shirt ever cost $5? Why? If everyone was paid fairly along the way, from the farmer to the person making, spinning the fabric, to the person creating the pattern, cutting out the pattern, pinning it onto the fabric, (laughs) cutting the fabric, dyeing the garment shipping it and then selling it i'm sure there's a lot more in there i missed but it's how how could that shirt ever be five dollars that is
0: that it's crazy kens
1: there's so much that goes on that we don't know about and i think that's why i knew like i wanted to be an advocate for that and for those people who don't have the voices Mm-hmm. And really, like show people how bad it is there <laughs> mm-hmm. like in so like in this documentary, like I said, um there was a collapse of a plaza that was called Rana Plaza, which was a factory that was producing for x y z names that I don't want to mention <laughs> um these brands, these huge retailers, and for months, these garment workers had been complaining that there was cracks in the foundation, they didn't feel safe. And unfortunately, there's no union there to protect them like we have. Like, we are so grateful to have labor boards here because they don't have that. And they complain to the person who owns the factory and and they don't care. And they had been complaining about it. And finally, one day, the structure gave out and over a thousand people lost their lives. And two other factories also collapsed that year. And thousands more people died. And it's it's barely spoke about. People Mm. have no idea. Mm -hmm.
0: It it is insane, and that I I've watched that documentary. It's it it's in it sheds such a good light on it. I'm gonna watch Mm -hmm. it again, and all of the resources and everything that you've shared, I'm gonna link them down below, and I'm sure Mm -hmm. you'll we'll we'll chat about it. But that's one thing that I really respect about your brand, and I think that's why I'm like so supportive of it is because not only like, yes, you are creating a, an amazing brand, but it, it, there's so much more to it, you know, like mm-hmm. I feel as though personally just as an outsider and like, as I know you personally, it's like the the actual selling the clothes is only like 50%, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's your message and your intention behind it. And as you said, like you're using your, your we both grew up in Canada, we are both mm-hmm. white females, like our privilege, we're trying to like leverage our privilege to almost like create more of a balance by giving... These people a voice in a way Mm -hmm. or just shedding more light on it and so thank you for sharing that that information it's absolutely insane
1: yeah
0: yeah um well i want to transition a bit then and i want to ask like as someone who has a great taste in fashion and everything but what are some ways that you would think that we could curate a wardrobe more sustainably. Does that make sense? Like is there certain pieces that we should be looking for um so that we don't have to like go out and constantly be buying all these like five
1: dollar shirts or something like that. Or like what's your advice on that? I would say the biggest thing is to create an investment wardrobe. And what that is is to buy, save up, and buy the highest quality that you can afford. So whether that be it's a $40 shirt, it's a hundred dollar shirt, whatever you can afford in that time. It's Mm -hmm. it's more expensive. The quality is more likely to be lasting you for a long time, and your clothes aren't going to look tired after a month. And that's what happens is that when you buy something that's inexpensive, it's made inexpensively, and so it's not going to last. The seams are going to rip. It's going to pill. It's going to fall apart in the wash. It's going to shrink, and you'll get maybe two to three wears out of it. That's what they say the average wear is right now of a fast fashion garment is two to three wears, and then you garbage and it gets thrown out gets donated Wow. <laughs> and the thing with donating your clothes is great but only 10% of what's donated actually gets sold which means 90% of that clothing in thrift stores ends up in landfills or it's incinerated yeah
0: <laughs> I don't think people talk about that
1: ever I've never heard that yeah and so like I would definitely say invest in quality pieces because you're going to have them for a long time I still have stuff that I've had for six, seven years. I don't know how it fits me, but it does. (laughs) Um, So that would be one thing. Another thing is supporting those sustainable fashion brands. Um, There's this store, I think it's based out of Edmonton, might have to fact check on that one, but it's called Shop New Classics. And basically, um, it's kind of like a a Nordstrom for sustainable brands. So they carry a bunch of other brands under them and sell all these sustainable brands. And they have a lovely Instagram page. You can shop right from their Instagram. Um, but yeah, they're based in Edmonton. So I would definitely check them out as a place to get sustainable clothes. Um, I don't know. I think thrifting, shopping secondhand, that's always great. Um, the one thing to be cautious of is that with that is, are you going to get rid of that item in two months? Or are you going to keep it? for two years three years four years and that's really important is to find find a piece that brings you joy Marie your condo of (laughs) of clothing (laughs) you know find it find a piece that brings you joy because you're more likely to value that piece to want to wear it all the time and you're not going to want to get rid of it either which is great (laughs)
0: yeah that's awesome I completely agree with you like um i probably said that like five times now. Sorry. Anyways. <laughs> but it is true. Like I have pieces that I've had for such a long time. Like even yep. I was thinking like, the other day, like I was wearing my parka and it's something that I wear every single day because we mm-hmm. live in freezing cold Canada. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And I was thinking like, I was like, Oh, I've had this for like five years. And then I was really thinking back. I've had it since I was in grade 10 since I was like 15. I'm 23 yeah. now. And it's still like a brand new jacket. If I just got a drag lane, it'd be even nicer, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, it's, they were initially upfront. It's always that like initial investment and you're like, Ooh, and you're hesitant. That's always what deters me, but you have to be mindful. It's like, I have gotten my money's well worth, in that piece or, like, maybe pairs of jeans that I have, etc. So,
1: yeah. This is one thing my mom has always driven home to me is cost per wear.
0: So, Mm. if
1: you go out and you buy those $300 jeans, it hurts in the moment for for a lot of people, (laughs) but you're going to wear those jeans for, like, three, four years probably before they fall apart. And even if they fall apart, you can mend them. And that's another big thing is, like, fixing the pieces you own if they're ripped and you get another probably two, three years out of them. Mm, mm-hmm. And one other point I wanted to make on that. Sorry, you can go ahead if you want. No, go ahead. <laughs> okay. go ahead. Um, in terms of like you said, to I guess buy less was your original question. Um, yeah. Or just or- like how to create a more sustainable like yes. wardrobe overall, what your advice would be. Um, my one other point would be to steer away from like trends and fads and kind of try and develop your own personal style and what you feel most comfortable and confident wearing um, for me, it's like the most classic pieces, like t-shirts, crew neck sweater, button-ups. That's my wardrobe. <laughs> like maybe now, I think this year. Obviously with COVID, it was so different because we had nowhere to go. So I think a lot of people were in that mindset of buying less. But I'll buy maybe like one or two pieces that are like a new print or the trendy neckline, you know, right now it's the square neckline everyone wants. But there's also ways to make pieces that you already own. Current by like, adjusting the neckline, cutting it, mm. dropping your t-shirt, you know, mm-hmm. cutting off the bottom of your jeans so you have a raw hem because <laughs> that was a huge trend. So there's lots of ways, but I would say definitely like, try and steer away from those trends if you can mm-hmm. because that's how those fast fashion retailers are so success mm. successful. And I hate to say that I hate to say they're successful, but they are. <laughs> they are. That's that's a whole part we're having the conversation. <laughs> they just pump out trends, and because of the way our culture is right now with social media and all the influencers and everyone showcasing those trends and those brands it makes more people want to buy them so i would i would just push yourself to just shop for like timeless classic pieces that are never going to go out of style that you can have forever you'll always look chic (laughs) yeah yeah
0: Awesome. That's honestly great, great, great tips. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm going to take them away. <laughs> um, I want to pivot again and I want to ask more about like the business side. Are we okay to talk about that? Um, uh, of all one. So I'm super curious. Um, what would you say like some of the biggest challenges were with your business so far and how are you able to overcome those?
1: I know we like briefly talked about this before recording, but I did mention um, my growth and engagement on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think I really had, I don't want to say an advantage, but I seized an opportunity mm-hmm. um, that everyone was at home on their phones, on their computers, online, needed something to look at. And that's why I thought having an e-commerce business and having a business online was such a great idea. Because people, were already home. They were already on their phones, and it was just one more account. So I, at the beginning, was like, "How the heck am I gonna get followers?" How I had like two hundred followers, I was like, "This is gonna be a nightmare." (laughs) Okay, wait, hang on. Before you go forward, because you only
0: had you only had an Instagram account for the beginning, correct? And you were selling just from the Instagram account. You didn't have a website or anything like that, right? So all of your business, the, the reason we're talking about how important that was
1: is because your business was coming from your mm-hmm. followers. Okay. Yeah, okay. exactly. Sorry, yeah. didn't mean to cut you off. No, nope. that's a very good point. Thank you for putting that in there. <laughs> um, yeah, so growing that, that following because I was like, well, I can't sell clothes if, if I don't have any followers. How am I going to show people what I'm doing? Yeah. And my poor boyfriend, he <laughs> probably had just had it with me this summer because I was on my phone for hours and I was always just searching up Reading articles, what hashtags were trending, how do I get followers? And, you know, I could have taken an easy way and just gone and bought followers because that's a thing people do, which I had no idea. Right? <laughs> There's so much weird stuff that
0: I've been learning that goes on in social media or behind the scenes and it like makes me sick. I believe everything I see online. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that girl looks like that, or like that photo's not edited, or they somehow oh girl, yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I just I I have had to tell myself so many times like this yeah. is not real life. This is not real. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Well, that's yeah. so true. And like the thing with buying followers, I was like, that's great. It's a number on a screen but they're not going to be active or engaged. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm not going to make any sales if I do that. I was like, I have to find a way to have active, engaged followers who are going to want to buy my products. And I just every day tried to find new accounts and I would explore hashtags that kind of aligned with my brand values. So I'd go to hashtag sustainability, hashtag slow fashion, and I would just scroll accounts, try and find other brands, And then I would reach out to them and I'd say, hey, like, I'm just getting started. Check out my page. Let me know what you think. I'd appreciate the feedback, which was so out of my comfort zone (laughs) because I literally like, even though it's behind a screen, I was still putting myself out there and like had to talk to strangers, which like, I don't know. People don't really know. I don't like doing that. (laughs) I fake it, but I really don't. (laughs) It terrifies me. And even though I had that screen and that barrier, I still was like, I had to really put my pride aside and be like okay like i'm a brand right now and i'm trying to build that mm-hmm. and once i did my first little drop is what we call it which was like i guess a release um of my first collection i think i had maybe under 300 followers and then i like started following my friends and my friends friends and family and it just kind of like started expanding I remember hitting 500 followers and I was like, I can't believe this. And now I've almost hit 2,500. And it's just so shocking to see like that growth just over like the short amount of time I've been doing this. And I'm just like, I I still like, I don't have an answer. I don't know how, but it was one of my biggest challenges. And it's still something I work at every day. Like I always hustle to see who can I follow? Who can I connect with? And that's the biggest thing I think about being a brand is that now that i've like put my pride aside i'm like okay i am a person behind this business and something for me at least is like when a business you can see that there's humans behind it <laughs> i'm much more inclined to like want to support them and that was just my personal standpoint and so i said okay well i want to be that business to other people i want them to engage with me i want them to comment on my my posts i want to have conversations through dm with people i want them to ask me about pieces or garment care or just any topic they want to talk about and so I just had to really start those conversations myself and I'd put out story polls that said does anyone want to chat (laughs) DM me (laughs) like stuff like that And, and people would which was so great and it really helped build from there I think yeah yeah, and it
0: happened in such a short amount of time. And, like, you're like, oh, I don't know how it happened. Well, Ken's, I got to say it's just <laughs> being honest, and what you're doing is amazing, and people can see that, you know? Thank you. Like, <laughs> but I completely agree with you. We were talking about it a bit before, like, how we're both like, uh, oh, social media is so weird, but, like, now yeah. that we have different intentions with it, I'm the same as you. I just want to connect with people. I want to build relationships with people. I want to yeah. know the people that I'm engaging with that are liking my posts and things like yeah. that. And that's been the most – Beautiful part about this. Like, I've embedded mm-hmm. myself in this like community, and I'm like, I'm here and I'm exactly. gonna be your friend. Yeah,
1: exactly. You have to like almost like force your friendship on someone. It's, yes. I you're like, like, gonna be friends. I swear. <laughs> I know. you like, Yeah, I know. And you're like, I'm messing with oh you
0: yeah I message this person every day or like I'll send a random person like I send strangers voice notes I love I love a good voice note. (laughs) I'm for voice notes and I'm like this is gonna come across too weird or like too aggressive but like once you get over that like as you said like you put your pride aside or just like you get over that like oh this is weird it's like you can build such amazing
1: connections that's like the coolest part yeah 100% yeah. 100% and that was like my biggest struggle at the beginning but now I mean I still face those challenges of like mm-hmm. trying to get active engaged followers and customers but it's gotten easier because I like put aside a lot of things I was feeling personally and just kind of like was myself and mm-hmm. tried to engage as a person <laughs> yeah I love it Kent. Oh,
0: I love <laughs> you I honestly do um <laughs> Um, okay. So then I want to ask you on that, has there been anything, w- would that be what you would answer to this question? It's just like, has there been anything that's really surprised you since you have created this brand and you've come more embedded in like the, that sort of community? Mm-hmm. I don't know what you want to call that community. I won't, I won't put a label on it myself. I'll let you do that. But yeah,
1: yeah. I don't, I mean, like there's so many terms around it. People call it <laughs> the thrift community, the reseller community the re-lovers like I I don't know there's so much around it um so I don't have a specific term but yeah that is one thing that's it shocked me I have never felt like so accepted and so loved by strangers (laughs) (laughs) I remember doing my first market in I want to say October with um it's called The Relove Market. It's put on by this lady. Her name is Sarah. She's absolutely lovely. And basically what it is, is a bunch of thrifters, resellers, consigners. And we all got together at this venue and we sell our products. And it was my first night there and I was so nervous. <laughs> and I think more so because because of like our lockdown situations. Like I hadn't really seen anyone. I was like, I don't know how to interact with customers anymore. And then I just had to be like, "Ken's, get it together. Like, you have, like, five years of customer service experience. You're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. But I had to, like, pep talk myself before because I was so scared.
0: It's Um, also, like, your name. You know what I mean? It's not like you have, like, a a brand to hide behind. It's, like,
1: literally you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's me and, like, my flimsy racks and my beautiful (laughs) collections. And I was like, you know what? We got this. Yeah. But... I was setting up my boyfriend was helping me set up and when he left I was like I was like shaking and I just like had like such an overwhelming feeling and I was like I don't even know what to do like I had no direction there was no one I could go talk to that I didn't know already and I wasn't comfortable with and I just like sat down on the steps next to this one girl who was like my my neighbor like our our stalls were next to each other and I sat down next to her and I was like hi (laughs) And I literally felt like I was, like, in, like, elementary again. (laughs) But she was the sweetest person ever, and we just, like, totally hit it off. And I think that was so shocking to me, because I was so nervous for nothing. It was, like, the most rewarding day I had had in so long. And I was just – I felt so fulfilled leaving there. Like, I went home and cried. (laughs) Like, I was unpacking my stuff, and I was, like, crying, because I'm, like, this was so amazing. And I was, like, I can't believe all these people – Are so supportive so collaborative like at the end of the day obviously everyone is there to make to make sales and like showcase their brand and their product but like we all bought off of each other and like everyone was just like like oh I love this piece oh I love this one like your stuff looks amazing like it was just so so amazing like it was unreal I don't (laughs) I have no words (laughs)
0: I love it. It's it's also like these, I think a beautiful part of it is like, yeah, we are. You said at the beginning, you're like, um, and beca- I've never felt so loved and supported and accepted by strangers, right? But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, as you said, like the people you're engaging with are actual people. And it's yes. the most craziest mind boggling thing is when these connections manifest offline mm-hmm. or they extend past the social media platform and you're like on a Zoom call with them if they don't live in your city or COVID restrictions, yeah. or whatever. And you're like, Wow, we're like actually friends, you know, and yeah. we met through this this social platform. Which to me, before before all this, I would never, I wouldn't even talk to a stranger online. Now it's like all of my friends were a stranger online yeah. to me. At some <laughs> like point, our
1: parents warn us to not yes! talk to strangers <laughs> online, but I'm like, yeah. all of my friends were strangers online. <laughs>
0: Literally. Like, I've done, like, 40 episodes now, and 30 of them were, like, complete strangers. And sometimes I'd meet up with them in person, and I'd be like, yeah, Mom, I'm going to go record a podcast. And she'd be like, uh, with who? I'd be like, wow. I met them in this Facebook group, you know? (laughs) But it's been awesome. And I I love, I love that everyone is so supportive of each other because there's enough room for everyone at the table, and your power doesn't take away from my power. So on that, do you want to expand
1: on the Monday night market. So what is it and how did it come about? So, the Monday night market or the Monday night Insta market. Um so the Monday night market started with two vintage resellers in Edmonton and they were doing the markets in person originally at their physical space that they have there. And obviously Alberta government has shut down any kind of like event spaces like that. So they weren't able to do their markets anymore. And they kind of developed doing it virtually right, via instagram stories, and so every Monday night at six p m six to eight p m they post a story sale on their instagram um a product that they have new products, exclusive sales, stuff like that and in like a few short months, it grew from like just the two of them and now Edmonton has like over thirty vendors every Monday night, which is crazy and it's not just vintage resellers it's like local artists and creators and small business owners from everywhere, so Edmonton has their hub of thirty and now Calgary's branched out and how I saw it was um, one of my my dear internet friends <laughs> um, her name's Rachel of Water and Color vintage. she was one of the first people who I bought off of um, she was super inspiring she was the Sweetest human that I have ever met via internet, and I was like, I we just really connected. And she, I've been following her. We are still in contact all the time. She had posted on her story saying that she was starting like the Monday Night Market YYC, and she was looking for vendors. And so I reached out to her. I said, I would love to do this. Like, what do I have to do? She explained it, and she was like, Well, do you want to co-host? And I was like, What does that even mean? (laughs) And basically right now I'm um, we're teamed up to do like the marketing and graphic design aspects and gathering vendors and creating group chats and for um all the people in calgary and so now it's branched out so edmonton calgary vancouver nova scotia ontario what? it's yeah, so the Edmonton Girls have had people reach out from all of cities to them individually, and they're all kind of starting their own branches right now, which is incredible. So, like, soon to be in a few weeks, there's probably going to be 100 vendors across Canada participating in this. Yeah, and it's so great because we all hashtag Monday Night Market, Monday Night Insta Market, and you can click on that and just explore, like, all the different accounts, all the creators, and you can shop, you can find new accounts to follow connect with people it's just like such a great way to bring that sense of community back because we lost that not being able to have our markets and like shop in person and hang out with each other mm-hmm. and yeah it's just been absolutely incredible the response we've received from people it's awesome, awesome.
0: So, if, so if you're looking to buy something go monday night <laughs> monday night <laughs> is the night to, to do your shopping yes okay. um And one other thing I want to say, like, um, I I don't know why I just felt like a download to talk about this is, um, you've shared about it and I've shared about it myself. And I know a lot of, so many people share about it, but I think it's a super important thing to highlight is in regards to like supporting small or local businesses ways you can do it or because you mentioned you can either shop or you can find new accounts to follow and support mm-hmm. and engage with i think that's a huge portion a huge thing because like there's that thing that always goes around It's like talking about how other ways that you can support local mm-hmm. businesses beyond monetary you know yes, what i mean absolutely and i think it's important yeah you have a better a better platform
1: to to speak on that do you want to yeah. explain a bit about that well i just think yeah for small businesses especially ones that are their business is based on Instagram. It's super important to have that engagement with them because of the way the algorithm is right now. So many businesses are, are hidden and you don't see their accounts and you can't engage with them. And so even just like a like, a comment, if you save their post and you never go look at it again, that it'll boost their engagement and it'll put them up to the top of the roster a couple steps. And that way more people can find them and they're more likely to have success through that because I know a lot of people are in the position right now to be shopping every week or even once a month on things that aren't necessities. So especially like having, like I'm a clothing business, it's like, I don't want to push that you have to buy clothing to support us. You can do it by just following our account or visiting the website or engaging with a post. Like there's so many other ways to go about it than like you said, just monetary aspects yeah mm-hmm. or
0: even like sharing it with someone that yes, you're like oh I your friends,
1: thing. yeah and, and maybe
0: they have a better financial um, foundation than you do or wh- whatever the reason is um yeah. there was something else I wanted to ask that oh even like this is something so small but people I think don't know it I I, I honestly I know nothing about the algorithm and like Instagram I'm trying to learn more but um <laughs> even like once you get to what is it a thousand followers you can do the swipe up feature And like, right. And you're probably like listening to this and you're like, what the hell? Who cares about that? (laughs) But if you are a business and you are selling a product or whatever it is, or say you, you have a podcast and you want the swipe up feature is so helpful because I think personally as a consumer or as like a follower, if I have to click through multiple times, it's like, it's an obstacle. And I'm like, (laughs) ah, I don't really care if I can swipe up. It's so much easier to engage, to consume, to purchase, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good Uh -uh. point. I want to ask you one final question before we we wrap up a little bit. <laughs> so, what does the future look like for
1: Vol One? <laughs> I was asked this question the other day when I was doing my interview for Wax H Magazine, and I I don't I don't have an answer. That's that fine. Crazy? Like I I sh- I feel like I should. No, <laughs> but the way I see it, things are changing so constantly right now with the pandemic. With sustainable fashion as a whole, that industry developing and growing, that like, I, I don't know. I take every day just as it is, and hopefully, something good comes from it, whether it's growth for my business, whether it's a sale, whether it's a new follower or a message from a friend, <laughs> literally anything. Um, right now, I'm just pushing to keep it growing, um, to keep bringing people cool new investment pieces for their hopefully sustainable wardrobe. <laughs> um, Yeah, I like, I would love to say one day we'll have a physical store. Um, However, the way I see that one thing we really talked about in school was the death of brick and mortar Mm -hmm. and that so many businesses are turning to online only because the expenses are a lot lower um, because rent is so high and utilities for your stores. um, There's just a lot less areas to focus on. If it's e-commerce, there's still a lot. Don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's just one less um, egg in the basket. So Yeah. Because you would definitely have both as well. You're not just going to have a physical store. You also have yeah. to do the
0: online. Yeah. Um- I think that's a totally valid thing though is like it's, it's almost like you're this wave and like you never even knew the insta markets existed before exactly. you even built the brown so it's like it's exciting I like that you don't know what it's like I don't want to know what the future holds because it's going to be yeah, things that, I'm
1: just going with it yeah
0: <laughs> it's things you probably don't even know existed things that might not even actually exist yet or mm-hmm. whatever it's going to be it's a person you don't know yet or opportunity you never even saw um on the horizon so like that's the beauty of life I think so yeah yeah well Ken's I just love you, honestly. Yeah, I love <laughs> you <laughs> I could hug you. Yeah, literally, like, this isn't us just, like, bullshitting for the podcast. This is literally us. <laughs> we I just love
1: each just, other. Yeah, <laughs>
0: this a ray of sunshine. I'm just beyond grateful <laughs> that you've been in my life for so long. I think they say it's, like, seven years. It's, like, then you're, like, friends life. <laughs> We're nearing there. We're nearing there. Um, but, so, since you are amazing and you're a ray of sunshine, if people want to connect with you, they want to look at your content, look at your items, everything like that, where can they find you
1: number one place is going to be instagram um it's at vol one vintage and wait hang on is it the letter one or the the number number one one. okay cool yeah um and you'll find us there as well we also have a website which is vol one vintage.com and recently been on tiktok still trying to figure that one out so probably don't check that out first (laughs) but if you find your way there i'm so sorry
0: (laughs) I gotta say, I forgot to tell you this. You inspired me. I created a TikTok <laughs> yesterday. It's it, for people that have seen it. I apologize. It's so cringy. Cringy. It looks like I'm on the, you know, Full House when they do the intro. That's literally it. That's mine.
1: But I'm I start with when you did this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to hide for the next year.
0: Uh, okay, I just gotta say though. Yes you inspired me because I was like, I'm not going to get a TikTok, but TikTok's like where it's at to like grow and things like that.
1: Honestly, it's not a millennial thing. Like I don't think we were wired to make TikTok. (laughs) But yours, you post, you, you made one. I don't know how, you've only made one, right?
0: I just posted one today, but it was short. So I don't think I (laughs) watched it. I haven't been on my phone yet today. Um, but I mean, I have anyways, but you inspired me because I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Cause so I was like, wow, you made a really tasteful and like elegant and like, um, authentic. Like it wasn't weird. Like I wasn't uncomfortable mm-hmm. watching it and it represented you and your brand so beautifully. And I was like, if mm-hmm. Katz can do it like in her own way, then somehow I'm going to figure it out. I might <laughs> take my, no, nah, I won't take it down. And anyway. it
1: was one of my goals for 2021 was to kind of like expand over different platforms yeah. Again, to boost my engagement. Like, that's my ultimate goal yeah, <laughs> right 100%. now for myself. Yeah, percent Yeah. Because that was one challenge I faced. And I'm still, yeah, like, I'm just trying to find new ways to do that. And so I was like, you know, I got to get with the times. I need to get on TikTok. I got to start making vids. <laughs> but a part of me still battles with it. <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm just, like, filming myself. as what you were talking about earlier. Like, yeah, the, the boy bands. They're just, they're like, what the hell? Yeah. You
1: um, just have to do it as if no one's watching. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'll just close all my blinds yeah um well Kenzie you are you are lovely I've, I've said it way too many times so I won't say it again um <laughs> thank you so much for sharing with me today
1: for informing me and for coming on the curious one it was an honor thank to have you for having me and thank you for shedding a light on ball one vintage and sustainable fashion because I think a lot of people are going to benefit from hearing some things today <laughs> they totally will it's
0: going to be a super valuable episode so thank you Kenzie
1: Thank you once again to
0: Kenzie for coming on the Curious One podcast. It was such a treat to chat and laugh with you. If you haven't checked out my TikTok yet, head to my Instagram at, at @theCuriousOnePodcast podcast, where we can all cringe together. I'm keeping this episode's quote short and sweet, and it is by Dr. Vivek Murphy. A real friend is someone who reminds you of who you are when you forget. Alright, as always my friends, if you enjoyed this episode and you know of someone that you think will gain value from it, please, please please share it with them and as well stay subscribed to the curious one podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and while you are over there pressing the subscribe button it would mean the world to me if you could rate and review the show this helps me to get my message in front of more people and in turn may provide opportunities that allow me to interview guests that you want to listen to stay well my friends if you would like to further this conversation and get in touch, visit my Instagram at The Curious One Podcast. For more information, resources, and show notes, please head to TheCuriousOnePodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, be well.